All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show, right? Namaste. Welcome, welcome, welcome. There you are. There I am. For those of you who are uh, watching on the MP4 file, right? Reese, welcome, my friend. Everybody else that's out there, share this out, share this out, share this out, please. Okay, so I entitled this Spiritualism today. And the reason for that is Julie, welcome. Um, Melissa, welcome. Everybody, give me a shout out in the chat so I know you're here, right? Um, So I was watching videos uh, last night and I came across a, a video that somebody had put together with Joe Rogan uh, and some of the interviews he gave uh, over the years. I mean, he also has a podcast. We know that. <clears throat> so some of it was taken from his podcast and some of it was taken from interviews uh, on other people's podcasts. Right. And yeah. So I see that. <laughs> right. So, <clears throat> so Joe Rogan had, had, came up with he realized and it, it's entitled you can look this up on on youtube it's entitled it took me until 53 to figure this out something like that um he's i think he's a year older than me right i'm 54 so this might have been a little bit older or maybe he's a year younger than me we are right around the same age joe and, and myself so the reason I, I i say that is because that means that we had the same amount of years on the planet to parallel our our um uh, learnings and teachings <clears throat> and he said something was very well everything he said but i agreed with 100 it was very on point except one point i agree and disagree with him and i'll get to that and that way you'll understand what what i'm talking about and why <clears throat> and if you listen to my shows you'll kind of get it as i'm as i'm leading up to it <clears throat> pardon me so so he has realized the same thing that i have when you look at and he made that comment when you look at all these different religions and philosophical thoughts. We keep trying to find the oldest, dustiest, oldest tome that the religions were based on. And we all do it. We look at the Christian religion. What was that based on? That was based on Judaism. What was that based on? And we have found all of these different scrolls and teachings throughout the world. And people look at those and they're like, well, the you know the Jewish religion was based on the Mesopotamian religion, and that was based on blah blah blah. And what I have found is they're 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 absolutely right. Every religion on the face of the earth, their creation story is a version of the same creation story told in every single religion. <clears throat> the changes, the differences are purely cultural, meaning when they take and adopt an ideology as the creation story, they insert their own gods and goddesses names and they change things depending on a few variable factors, whether the religion of the people at the time is male dominated or female dominated or dual aspect dominated. That changes the dynamic of the creation story. And I'll give you an example of that. I'll give you a few examples of that. <clears throat> Let's look at Christianity, right? And and the creation story. Uh, I'm talking about Christianity now, right? Rob, welcome, buddy. Welcome. Um, there's Rob. Rob uh, has a, a podcast of his own. It's a full spectrum uh, universe. You guys should take a look at it. He's got good shows that he does over there. He's a good guy. So, Rob, welcome, welcome, welcome. Share this out, please. Okay, so <clears throat> when you look at, say, the Christian uh, creation story, 
they changed things in that in that story because the people who were creating Christianity and there's some speculation. Um, I just watched a documentary, uh, an investigation from some Hebrew uh, scholars, very renowned worldwide Hebrew scholars, who suggest that the Romans invented Christianity, which is very possible and plausible. However, that part isn't as important as as the fact that they had to have borrowed something to create something. Let's let's say that they did and didn't. It still would have the same outcome. And let me explain why. In the Christian religion, it was based around uh, Roman ideologies, but moreover, to convert the, the uh, Jews and Gentiles. So those religions were more male-dominated, a monotheistic male god being in charge. Okay, so therefore the feminine is pushed to the side, and that happens in other religions as well. So when you have the story, say, from Mesopotamia or from prior to that, uh, the story is there's a duality, a a a, a god goddess that is um, that is uh, um, um, what's the word uh, the the uh, asexual. <clears throat> so you have a hermaphrodite, male female god goddess or goddess god, and that is the creation. And from that creation, they give birth to, and then in the old scriptures, it's Marduk here, right? And then, the, and then you, when you come to Christianity, Jesus was in, was put into that character slot, but they didn't have a place for the feminine, right? So it was kind of the feminine was pushed to the side. The, it, the, the, you know, there is no mother of Jesus except the 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 woman on earth, who is nowhere near the same as the God in heaven. You see, so not equal at all. She was just a, a tool on earth to give the virgin birth because the Jesus character was coming into form as a human still did all the things that the, that the sun God does in all the other elements and aspects. Another version of that would be Bohemian with the, um, with the Vikings and that the Vikings were a little more dual aspect as far as the culture with women being equal to men. So now you have Odin and, and Frere, and they give birth to Thor. Thor is the Jesus character, is the Marduk character. It's still the same uh, character with a different name. But the dynamic changes a bit because now that you have the female character being the mother of Thor, she's no longer the antagonist. So they change the antagonist to the, the son's not killing the father. <clears throat> so you see? So if the sons kill the father, which is the father-mother half of the duality of the god-goddess, then she becomes angry and, it, and goes after the children, and ultimately they end up killing her. Marduk ends up killing her, and then he takes the highest reins, uh, and, and she becomes the dragon that they, that they fight against, the serpent that they fight against. So in that saga, Thor fights the serpent, the dragon of the North Sea, but it's not named Tiamat. Do you see? And then Jesus is tempted by the serpent. So in a sense, he defeats the serpent, but it's through the serpent now becomes the devil and is trying to tempt him in mortal flesh and to give him everything that he wants. And he defeats the serpent. And the serpent in this respect is the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call it. And a male figure. Because the, the religion is a male-dominated religion. Right, Leviathan. Rodney, welcome. I didn't see you there, buddy. So 
So, and, and basically it's the same character, Rodney, you probably know this. So the Leviathan character is the same as the Tiamat character is the same as the devil tempting Jesus. The, the whole, the, so those, so the dynamic been changed slightly. So if you look at the Mesopotamian, it is the, the mother, father duality, right? And the son. That becomes the spirit. So in the Christian reality, you take the female out of it and you diminish her because the Hebrews at the time, all women were property to them. They weren't equal in any way. So they diminish the, the feminine and it becomes the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit as the Trinity. But the original Trinity was the mother, father, and the son being the Trinity. Those three, the masculine, the feminine, and the, and the son uh, it was the Trinity. And that's the base for most religions. And the difference it literally is that if the culture has a dual aspect, respect for male and female as equal, then you have a version of the antagonist being the, the, the female if you leave in the male trying to kill the son or the son trying to kill the father. Whereas like with the Greeks uh, and the Romans, you had that. You had Zeus trying to kill his son. <clears throat> and he had killed his father. So when you have the male-dominated warlike societies, you have this uproar in that, in that respect, okay? And so it's, it's not that they borrow the religion. It is the same religion. They just morph it to fit their dynamic of what God's the pantheon they already have in place. So, so in effect, yes, it's being borrowed. But that doesn't explain some things. Uh, like, for instance, last week I... I uh, uh, one of you out there told me about, um, or somehow I learned about um, Lao Xi. So I looked up Lao Xi. Lao Xi was in the year 640 BC, 640 years before Jesus Christ was born. <clears throat> and <clears throat> when he was the fable, you know, in in the in the book that he that he wrote, the, the story is in there. But then there's also the the separate story that played out almost the same way so the story is that he's old and he's getting ready to die and he's going to leave this is one story i heard and then in the book it's slightly different so he's going to leave the city because he wants to go out into the wilderness and die and when he gets to the to the gate he says to the gate man please open the gate i'm i'm leaving and i'm going to go out and i'm going to die and he says the gate man says to lao chi or, or Lao Ti, depends on how you pronounce it. It's T-U, so Lao Chu, really. <clears throat> but they sometimes spell it um, Z-I, but his real name is actually uh, L-A-I, or L-A-O, uh, next word, T-U, Lao Chu. So <clears throat> he gives them basically the philosophy of his thinking. He says, please tell me your philosophy before you go die. And he gives them a short version of that creation story. And if you read it at face value, it doesn't seem like that, but it is when you understand the, the creation story. So here is a Chinese philosopher who is giving the same creation story that all these other people have. Now, I haven't looked into whether he had a library and had, uh, you know, uh, scrolls and books from, uh, you know, from the Mesopotamia area, which he could have, because it seems like that information was all over the planet. Right. So the, the one theme, and this is the this is what I've said so many times and why I'm reiterating it again. And if you guys have questions, please uh, ask them. I see you guys talking to each other in the chat. If you have questions, ask them and I'll answer. So. So they, they they borrow the exact. Here's my point. My point is the the actual storyline and dynamic changes just slightly, but the entire beginning 
middle and end is identical and has not changed. Has not changed for tens of thousands of years. And I noticed that first with the, just the, what I call the Jesus Christ phenomenon, where that particular, I started with that particular character in that particular play. Right. And how that played out. And then I'm reading all the different Dead Sea Scrolls and I'm reading the the uh, Gnostic Gospels. And and the common denominator is the backstory is almost identical. And I and I'm posing that it is identical. The differences are only tribal in that the dynamic that they have between the masculine and feminine from each culture changes the 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 whether the female is the first and the male is second and second or, or diminished or the other way around in, in each culture that we see from history that we have on the planet reflects that 100 percent so the characters that you have are the creation right the creator god goddess nothingness first and out of that beget something and then you have that you can't know who uh who the name of the character that is above the creator because you have to be the, the creator to know that and the same goes for the who created the jesus character or marduk or whatever insert your your god here for the hero or the savior right that's the hero character the savior character the the one who is going to die for the sins or champion the people okay so because Jesus defeated the serpent in the garden, not in the garden of Eden, but in, in the garden on the mount and then went up in the hills, then he was sacrificed, right, to appease that portion of there's supposed to be a sacrifice here. So he was sacrificed to be the martyr in the story. <clears throat> now, if you look at the same exact paradigm in the Muslim religion, it was unnecessary for, for Muhammad to be sacrificed because Muhammad was able to enact the exact same solution, if you look, without having to have that happen. So he was able to then ascend, causing the same reaction in the people as uh, Jesus being crucified on the cross and then resurrecting and then ascending. So you both, they were both, they both ascended, but one was crucified first and was supposed to die and then resurrect and then, and then ascend. Whereas Muhammad ascended without having to do that. And the same thing happens with Gilgamesh. The same thing happens with Marduk and any other deity figure that they shove into that, right? That, that category Thor, right? Was that uh, Hercules or Heracles would be that, um, you have Greek stories like, um, like uh, uh, the uh, the Iliad and um, and what's the other one? <clears throat> I was just thinking about it a minute ago, and I lost my my, my thought with the with the king. Uh, what's his name? Odysseus and the Odyssey. Now that's the same story playing out with him going up against different things, but it they had to change what was the reality to fit that. Like you have say Medusa. That that Jason and the Argonauts, I think that was who it was. I don't think it was uh, um, uh, what's his name, but it might have been because those are really close between the Roman and the Greek storylines. So you have Medusa; she's the serpent. Do you see? She's that goddess that is trying to harm the Marduk character. That's the hero, and Odysseus plays the hero or the savior character in that pantheon, and he defeats the serpents, and he defeats the. So you, if you look, you have the giants 
being put into place, like with King David. So now we're looking at the Hebrew. David becomes the hero, and the serpent becomes what? Right? The giant bull, the minotaur. Okay, so that's the serpent character, and he is even smaller because he's supposed to be seemingly smaller in stature. So, so that, that now the, the bull becomes a giant, and, and David is a little boy of 12 or 13 years old. And, and that's what he's supposed to be somewhere really young. He's like 14, I think. So that would be the Jesus character or the Thor character or the Hercules character or the Odysseus character. It's all the same character. It's it's what uh, um, um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, I just had his neck. I can see his face. He calls it the the hero with a thousand faces. So uh, so hi Denise. I didn't see you come in. Right. <laughs> so so these these religions are the creation story. And the, the the important thing here is, and I've said this before, the only story that is not changing is that one. It's changing only to fit the local ideology between male-female, and, and, and that reflects the gods and goddesses, or the lack thereof, or their power positions. It's not changing the basic dynamic of the story like other stories change when people tell them a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. They become completely different, and people want to put their own spin on it, but there is their, their own spin on this, in this case, is only changing the dynamic structure of the tr the Trinity and and possibly what goes on below that, but not the creation story. The story is still from the beginning to the middle and to the end, and it still has the exact same dynamic and the exact same effect over the course of of at least twenty five thousand years. That's unheard of. That is unheard of. The Bible that was written 2,000 years ago has changed, even though it says don't change it. It has changed many, many times. We know that because uh, Constantine changed it. The Council of Nicaea changed it. All these different groups changed the Bible and took out all these books. We know that now because we've found many of the books that were removed, and people are reading them now today. Most people don't understand them. I get why. Right? And it's in the same storyline and dynamic are in our movies. And I've shown people that with the crossovers about the, the uh, um, parables in the movies. And they do some people do this on purpose. I don't know if you guys are aware, but since 2012, the movie industry started making movies more Christian, fundamentalist, more like the Superman movies, the two that came out since 2012. Those were had, had Superman as the Jesus character. They used that dynamic on purpose to promote that exact backstory. Okay? And they did the same thing with Wonder Woman. She became the goddess character. She would have been the Tiamat character had it not been a female-dominated society that she came from. So the aspect that it's written for her character is that the, the masculine character is the feminine. In that the dominant character is the feminine. So she becomes the Zeus or the all-father like Odin, right? Or the, the one true God in the Hebrew uh, religion, or, or the father of Jesus in the Christian religion. She becomes the wise one <clears throat> and, the, and the warrior queen. 
So that's because the script is flipped in that in that pantheon, and the person who invented those, you know, those women, the the the, you know, the, they were uh, what were they, Amazons? <clears throat> it was a, well, a female-dominated culture, so of course it's going to have a female-dominated spirituality. But the, the but the backstory was still the same, even with that. So we have this drive within us. Now the reason I say all that is because Joe Rogan had said in this video, and this is where I told you I would get to that where he said, uh, I said that I agree and disagree with him. Because he said, you know, that that people need to understand that just because something is written down by somebody on animal skins in the desert and it's really, really old, that that should be the, the way we should actually follow. I, and, and I agree with him and disagree with him when I stop right there. Because we need to look at those things to understand what I just said to you. I read the history and studied that, and I'm understanding that the storyline is the exact same storyline that everybody's borrowing and changing just slightly in their respective uh, um, area of when they're alive and whether they have a duality male-female or a male-dominated or a female-dominated religion or spirituality. So I agree that at what he said after this, we all as a people need to be looking within ourselves and finding what is what is going on now. And he's absolutely right, because that's what they were doing then. They were in the now capturing the now figuring out the now we're as a society in the in the then in the past. And we're looking to the past for a savior to come now. And everywhere in the past are these stories that the Savior has already come. And that the Savior is within you and all of these people who are saying, or the heroes, or the, or the, the balance, or the Savior, or, or the defender, however you want to uh, uh, put, the, whatever word you want to put in there for that character, has been telling everybody since 25,000 years ago, probably 250,000 years ago, probably a million years ago, that here's this this fable story of the past, but it's not none of it's true. But it is all true. Because what's that trying to tell you? That's trying to tell you that the that like Thoth said, the way to the heaven is through the center. And Jesus said, the way to heaven is through me. They were saying the same thing. Thoth was the same character. He was the son, God, the son of God. Jesus was the son of God. He said he was the son of man. Right? And I didn't like that term either. <clears throat> and because that, that is also a male-dominated society. So when you look at all the history and you look at the Bible and most of the Bibles and they refer to the human race, as not human beings, but as man. Yes, Rodney. See, Rodney, was, he said exactly what I was saying to you without me saying that to you. The kingdom of heaven is within you, within each one of us. And that was what the movie, The Kingdom of Heaven, was actually about. If you watch the movie, The Kingdom of Heaven, and think about what I just said, and think about what Rodney just said, and then watch The Kingdom of Heaven, that is the parable, that is the entire purpose of that movie is him going on his journey like Jesus Christ, going through the Beatitudes and understanding the world for what it is and then looking within himself. And then he says to the queen, who is in love with him and he's in love with her, when you realize the answer to this, then you will come with me. And she needed to give up everything 
and have the dark night of the soul and decide she didn't want to be in that world anymore as that queen. And she gave all of that up and ended up marrying uh, um, Balian. And the two of them walked away from the holy war because they realized that the true kingdom of heaven and the path was within you, not some place in some far distant land that we're supposed to be killing people over. That was the, the parody, the parable, that was the moral of that movie. So it was literally what Rodney just said, and Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is within you. So there's people out there, and that movie was made by Ridley Scott, by the way. <clears throat> Had a really good cast. Love that movie. One of my favorite movies. Because of that. So I'm going to be doing a lot of comparison um, after we get done. Uh, I'll maybe do it here, but I, I'm not sure. But after I get done on Friday, I'm definitely going to start taking a look at movies and show you guys these all of these uh, parables that are, that are playing out right before you, and they're all telling you the same story. So the story, the backstory, the creation, the evolution of that down to today and then into the future is literally in every single one of those stories. If you read, uh, say, just the, the main nine books of the Gnostic Gospels, it is a rerun over and over and over and over. All of the every book that you turn to is another telling of the exact same story. Right. It's another is a telling of another of the exact same story. So then when you go to Mesopotamia and you read that, it's the same same telling. Different names inserted into the places of the main characters in the show. OK, so that would be that would be akin to us having a play that we were going to take to China, but the Chinese aren't going to get Christianity. So you would say, what is the most dominant spiritual practice here? And you add those people as characters so the Chinese can can uh, can uh, get it because they say their religion is different. Or you go to a country that is mostly Hindi or Hindu or you, you change the names of the gods and because their gods are going to be the same. You're going to have the savior God. You're going to have the, the creation God. You're going to have the sun God. You're going to have all of that. You just put their names in there. And then those people that have been practicing that religion get it 100%. So it's not that people are borrowing a religion and basing their religion on it. They're, they're, they're taking the religion <laughs> and applying it to their names. So yes, in a sense, they're borrowing it, but they're taking it because they, the story, the backstory seems to be never changing only in the dynamic of how the outcome is reached. And that is, again, like I said, goes back to whether or not the society is uh, a male-dominated society or a female-dominated society or a duality-dominated society. And one of those three, and again, there's a trinity there. Do you see the correlation? Right. And yeah. And, and Rodney said astrology. Right. Because because where they are, when they were, what time and when their gods were supposed to be born, that changes the dynamics slightly. But all of them are still the same. So the story itself is the same. They just insert your your God and goddess, insert the sun here and insert, uh, you know, the philosophers here, insert your your uh, prophets here. Right. And then and then play with the serpent. The serpent's always in there. And some guys, whether it's a male or a female, changes depending on the attitude of the actual people uh, in their their uh, way of life. But the actual story still has the same outcome. Even though you don't think it does, because it's a parable. Right. So you have. Odin at one point, was it Odin or Thor, dressed up as a woman to go and get, it was Thor, to get his hammer back, I believe. 
he dressed up as a woman and and um and then actually uh wooed the king who had his his weapon or maybe it was uh, thor with a uh, with his with or not thor with his hammer maybe it was his dad maybe it was odin i don't remember it's been a long time it's been like 25 years since i read uh, viking folklore so I, I apologize if i don't get that right so that that's the same as uh as the zeus character Right when uh, Zeus was born, his father wanted to eat him, and his mom put a rock in the in the baby's uh, swaddle, and he thought that was him, and he grabbed him and he and he ate him. It was just a rock, and he was able to escape and, and raised in a cave. And then he came back and eventually killed his father. And his father turned out at that point he was inserted as that character because with the with the Gilgamesh or above that with Marduk, uh, it was the three sons were allowed, and the god wanted to kill the sons, and the and and the the mother figure told the sons and then the sons killed the father because the father was coming to kill the son so now the, the mother's trying to kill the sons and they run and marduk who is the savior he goes and kills the mother so you have the same outcome but you have a different scenario but it still holds within the trinity and holds that trinity together so it's all the same and it, it's never ending and never changing that's more important i think i think that's something we need to focus on as far as the weight of that, because like I said, any other storyline in the history of our, our knowing is, is uh, completely changed. It, it, got, it went away, well, it went astray when somebody changed something, and then the whole dynamic broke down and breaks down into, you know, I don't know if this is anything anymore. But these stories have stayed the same. The changes were only minor again, dealing with the population and whether they were male or female dominated or a duality reached society. And that's why we're having so much problems in the future now, because we have all of those remembered. They're all written down and we read them, but most people don't realize the difference or the similarity through them. And those who do see it as, well, they, that was based on the other religion, which was based on the other religion. And I'm like, well, they're all the same religion. They're all the same. They just jumbled up the Trinity and maybe a few other minor names that you have there. And then what you have is you have an overlapping of cultures. This happens when you have cultures that talk to one another and live with one another on borders. So you're going to have overlapping like you have with the Greeks and the Romans both have Apollo. And then a version. And then you have the Vikings and the, and the Greeks and the Romans who are almost identical. You have the all-father, the Zeus character, right? And then you have then you have a, an extra character uh, that is that is the Poseidon, and he has the trident. And then you have and then you have what's the other name that they use for Poseidon? And he has a trident with two with those two religions. Well, if you can, if you combine the Zeus and Poseidon together, you have uh, you have Thor and Odin. One with a, a spear that never misses, and the other with lightning in his in his uh, warhammer. Debbie, welcome. Right, red and yellow, black and white. Remember sun cycles. Yeah, right. Good one, Sherry. Good one. Welcome, by the way. Okay, so <clears throat> so us coming forward, we still remember and have all of these religions or spiritual practices written down. And then on the surface, we're trying to uh, figure out where we fit in now. And that's where I agree with Joe Rogan when he says we need to, to not focus so much on all of those. But I think we need to remember those because the fact that all of those religions are identical. So the common theme here 
is the creation story. So the creation stories that we know are all the same. So we have to assume that, and because that has not changed, and it should have, if it was invented or, or made up, it would have if it were invented or made up because everything that was invented and made up is corrupted that way. We call it the grapevine. So if you're handing down information uh, to people, right, unless you're like they said when in the Bible, you're supposed to copy it, scribe it word for word, letter for letter, and you stick to that, we're going back thousands of years now. Okay, but we know, I know, because I've I had many different copies of the Bible. We know that with the translations that they have made, because they went from, you know, they, I think it was Pharisee first, and then it went to Coptic, and then it went to Greek, and then Roman, and then Latin, and then eventually, I think, Spanish, and then English. And now we have this new modern English Western American Bible that talks like people talk over here. So when you do that, you lose something in translation, hence the term lost in translation. And it changes the, the dynamic of some structures. But I, I would also suggest that it obscures the similarity in some of the baseline, base root structure because of that. Because the words that we have now don't mean what they meant then. And we know that, and one perfect example is Jesus with Mary, the Magdalene, and their relationship, right? It, the, he was her companion. She was his companion. That means my buddy, my bro, my dog, chilling with me in the drive-thru. That's what that means to us. That literally meant spouse in Jesus' time. But most people don't realize that. So when they read that, they see companion. Oh, yeah, he was like, she was like an apostle. Glazed over, continue moving. Because you don't understand the base root word and what it meant then. How many other words do we take for granted in this English version, this American westernized version, new world, whatever they call it? How many other words are being left out and not known? Right. We also saw that with the translation uh, in Dan Brown's book, but it also is actually in the book Holy Blood, Holy Grail, because of that's what that means. Okay. Holy Blood, Holy Grail is what they talked about in the movie that Dan Brown put together uh, for the Da Vinci Code, where they talk about the difference between the old French word song real or song real split into two words. If you make it right. <laughs> he said bloodlines. Yep. If you make the di distinction of one word being, well, you know, all the one word together, sangreal, that means that means uh, holy blood. The other one means bloodline, DNA. Right. So so the the, the sangreal is the cup, the blood of Christ. That's what they call that. That's the wine. That's the sacrament. So it's not literally DNA. But if you if you misinterpret that word, right, and you say sangreal, that that literally just means a cup of, of blood, Jesus's blood, which is uh, the wine that you drink for his sacrament. But if you read it as two words and the and the scribes stuck them together, not knowing that well, that should be one word and not two, because they can you could literally change the meaning of that. Just like just like Rodney said, if it is bloodlines, if it is DNA, 
It changes the whole course of direction of that deity from that point on. But if it just means drink of my blood, just means not your drinking of my DNA, but a sacrifice, a sacrament to remember me. So they add those words in and it changes the dy dynamic of Jesus. And Jesus becomes venerated as the God character, as the son God, the son, the word of the God character. And, and you don't have any siblings behind him to be worried about. So they don't know what the translation was. The problem that we have in translation is that with the Hebrew language, every single symbol you see equals to one letter and a number. So you have to decide whether when you're reading something, whether they're writing numbers to you and dates or if they're trying to say words. And so every time somebody who's reading Hebrew, they have to look at it and put it together in a perspective of, are these words or are these numbers or are they numbers and words mixed together? And they have to figure that out. So it's a little more complicated. So if somebody is not 1,000% literate in that language and they go to translate it into another language, they have to also be 1,000% literate in that language to understand the nuances. How do I get this point across? in that language and keep its integrity. So you have the word sangreal in ancient French being translated into Greek and then and then uh, and then uh, uh, Latin and then English. How many different translations of what that word meant did we have to keep the same thing meaning the same thing? Do you understand? So when you translate something over and over and over again, it becomes harder to get the actual message from the actual first document. So this whole thing I'm telling you about here is where we need, uh, where I disagree with Joe Rogan, we need to have the backstory so that we can find the similarities and do like I just did, all those backstories. And there's other people out there who are making this correlation as well and realizing that they're all really the same. So that becomes very interesting because it's not changing only slightly to fit that timeline and that place with those people. And then when you move over here, there's somebody who's equally opposite. And you know, maybe 5,000 years later, 1,000 years later, 400 years later, 100 years later, or even at the same time, but the dynamic of their religion is slightly different, but they're using the same backstory. So where are all these people getting this same backstory from? And how is this Chinese philosopher in the year 640 BC? giving the exact same backstory to a, to a guard at a gate when the religion they had at the time was a little bit more a feudal religion. So it was more male-dominated, but he didn't give him the male-dominated version. He gave him the dual aspect. He gave them the androgynous virgin, version. I've read the book and the, and the story of just at the gate. And those haven't changed other than in the book, he was leaving to go out of the city and not going, doesn't mention he was going to die. And in the other story that I got, it was, it, he was mentioned that he was going to die. And that's why the desperation, please leave us, please give me your philosophy before you go. But he gave the backstory from a feudal position of a religion that was male dominated and women are very subservient in that, in that uh, uh, back then to, to the male in that region of the world. But yet this philosopher gave a backstory that was very feminine. Did he get that from Mesopotamia? Had he read those scrolls? Very possible. Very possible. So I'm going to continue moving backwards to see if I can find that, right? 
And then, right. And then, as Rodney says, it loses its coded message if the translation is, is obscure. So we can't trust what is being told now until we compare it to what was being told then to see if the outcome is the same. And if it is and the integrity is intact, then you know you're on the right path. Because if everybody's been doing it, and some would say the opposite, well, if everyone's been doing it and look what happened to them and they're gone, well, yeah, that's because the people who lived then probably graduated and ascended. So if, 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 and then if we're wrong, we'll know it. That's why we need the history. You need the history to study the history of all these different pantheons going back as far as we can find. And when things stay the same, even though they change, they're all the same routine over and over and over again. Then you go, okay, is this routine just absolutely wrong? And that's what's screwing us up? Or is it the semantics when we're screwing it up? And I would think that it's the latter, not the former. Right. I would suggest that and I would believe that. So we're screwing things up by translating it because here's another flaw that we have. All of us have this flaw. I had this flaw until I was aware of it. Everyone has this flaw. Society has this flaw as a whole. We look at things through our eyes. Okay. Now, and that's where I get into that, that uh, conversation with Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi after Obi-Wan was dead and Luke was now got his training and was planning to go and face Darth Vader. And so this is in the movie uh, Empire Strikes Back. And they're saying, no, don't, don't go Luke. Your training's not complete yet. And he said, I, you know, I, I know that they're going to, they're hurting and that, yeah, but the future is not written. It's subjective. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to die. And that's exactly the, what people believe now. Anyone who is, is on the fringe in their, in their, in their uh, personal spiritualism, we believe that. The future is not complete right this second, and it, but we can, we can change it still because we have that power and the ability to do that. Okay, So he says to Luke, Luke, you have to understand that the truths that we cling to depend greatly on a certain point of view. I say this all the time, and then Luke said, a certain point of view, yes, ours. Yes, our point of view. When I was in philosophy, philosophy 101, the first thing they teach you is that to understand what a philosopher is saying, and this is, goes true with anything, to understand what someone is saying, you can't take it and base it on your knowledge and experience now because you didn't write it. And it's not written about you now. It's written about that person's thinking then. So you have to learn when that person lived, how that person lived, where that person lived, and what the mental state, mental, political, geopolitical, spiritual state of mind of the author at the time to understand truly what that person is saying to you. Otherwise, you're interpreting it based on you. You're inserting yourself into the character that is speaking to you. You're using your knowledge and applying it to his knowledge, thinking that your laws are his laws, your ideals are his ideals, your beliefs are his beliefs, or the other way around. And that's an assumption that will make sure that you have no clue what is happening or understanding of what you're reading. Because you're going to go, none of this makes any sense. Because it doesn't apply to you. <laughs> it's knowledge for you, but you have to understand what it applies to, not you. Okay? It applies to the time and what that person said, and are they talking to the future? Very possible. And yes, 
But the only way you can understand that is to understand what they're saying, how they're saying it, why they said it, when, where, for whom. It's the only way that you can understand that. So you have to learn the past. You have to learn what other people said and what they went through to understand what they were trying to tell you. Okay? Right. The names may mean the same, but the the pronunciation is totally different in the speaking of the tongues. Magic, right? Absolutely. So that's the other thing, right? That's the other thing as well. Some cultures have a nuance. All cultures have their own nuance as to a slang as well of, of what is of what the ideology is. So you don't just have proper names, proper nouns, proper spelling, proper speak. You also have what the common folks speak in that exact same society. Yes, you have to see the bigger picture. You have to you have to look at the history, understand who they were, learn a little bit about the people, the culture, how they lived. You have to do that. I was taught that by my father when it had to come when it came to religion in this modern day. If you need a religion, son, or you want a, a possibility of a religion, you need to not just follow what other people tell you. Go to and learn. Uh, look at the place they worship. Look how they do it. Learn about what their, their, their Bible is. Learn what curriculum they use. Talk to the clergy. Get an idea of their ideology to understand that religion fully and that way that they think. And don't just stop at one. Do as many as you can that are still operating on our planet so that way you can best make a decision what fits for you. Do you understand? My father told me that when I was young. I was a teenager. Might have even been a preteen the first time he told me that. So I passed that on to everyone because the truth is, as soon as I got into Philosophy 101, bang, same thing. You have to know what the person, how they lived, how they died, what the laws were, because things change, right? I'm literally, from what I'm saying to you right now, if I were alive sitting next to Socrates, I too would be drinking the poison and, and committing suicide by order of the king because of heresy. Okay? Socrates died because he said the world was round. That is not a joke. You can look that up. He said the world was round, therefore he's a heretic, and he needs to commit suicide in front of the court, and he had to. I would be right next to him because I just said what I said about religion. Do you understand? But now I can say it. Why? We are a completely different society here now. More open, more freedom for, for religions, more freedom for spirituality. Uh, in fact, no boundaries other than just don't murder people and don't have ritualistic killings. Otherwise, you can throw a pizza party and do whatever you want. You can be the, the Christian religion who is morphing itself into the pagan religion, and the pagan religion is morphing itself into the Christian religion. More and more each day, they are becoming one. I just watched a prayer from 2011, from 2011. I was watching Pitbulls and Parolis, little plug. I'm not getting paid by them. I wish, right? But I was watching a rerun. My mother loves that show, so I turned that on. So I came in here to do this show, and I watched part of it before I came in. And they were at some friends' uh, f uh, um, uh, property where they had had a fire, and they also these people also ran shelters for dogs. And a bunch of the dogs didn't make it through the fire, so they had a mass grave. They put them in, and they were giving them a eulogy. And all the guys from the, the Pitbull's normal show, I can't, what is it, Villa Lobos, they all went uh, with them. 
and they named all the names of the dogs who didn't make it and then said a prayer to to the Lord to take their souls and keep their souls and and take them into heaven and when they got done all the dogs who were more than a hundred yards away and that were still alive in their makeshift compound that they set up all started howling at the same time before that you could not hear any dogs doing anything and then all of a sudden all of them and all of the people standing there turned and looked at the dogs and the the woman giving the eulogy as soon as they they started howling she said and the dogs are uh, are also chiming in and then they said they're you know sending them off so i had a friend who who uh, his father died and he was in the room with him and they had a dog and the dog was outside he was in the room with his father and when this father passed the dog outside the window howled, stood up, looked in the window, and then howled, okay, knowing that his best friend had just died, okay? So the reason I bring all of that up is because animals who become in tune with us, you have to understand they also have a living soul that is immortal. But I think that when you... I think they are not completely, they're veiled, but they're, they're more open spiritually and connecting spiritually than we are. We don't realize that because it wasn't like they said, oh, and then he died out loud and the dog started howling. The dog sensed his soul leaving and howled for his soul. And so did the other ones when they gave the eulogy. So there is a connection there that goes above and beyond. And I'm saying that the reason for that, I'm saying that, and the reason I'm saying that is that we need to look deeper and understand our place here that everything is alive and everything is life. Therefore, we have to uh, realize that and live with that. And I know some people get, get upset because they go, well, I'm, I'm, that's why I don't eat any kind of animal because they're alive. Well, you, you eat something, whatever you're eating, is, it's life. The only way you can sustain your life is you have to consume life. So you have to admit that to yourself. Well, I eat plants. They're still alive. They're just as alive as a cat or a dog or a bull or a cow or a, or a, a deer or, or a squirrel. They're just as alive. They just haven't evolved into that yet. The spirit that's inside whatever is animate is alive. So we have to actually, the ecosystem works by we consume each other. And that also drives the spiritual community to continue to work. Because we're we're continuing to uh, uh, kill each other and eat each other and do that, so then we we are the victim and then we are the victor. So then we become the sheep, then we become the the wolf, and then as humans we have the same. We go through the whole same process again. All of that is the cycle of life, right? Right? Debbie says, I, I have uh, uh, connected with my dog who has passed. She uh, she has visited me at my house. That happens a lot, a lot of times. And I've connected with my cat. In fact, I was just talking to my uh, current wife. We haven't divorced yet, but we will eventually, probably. I don't know. We've, we've been separated for five years. Be six years. No, we've been separated six years now uh, and still married. <laughs> but but she had the, the, the cat before I got there. He was two, two years old. She had him for two years. And they had him on like Valium and all kinds. Of, he was crazy, they thought. He was running from room to room for no apparent reason. And they, he never meowed. He never spoke. So they put a bell around his neck. Uh, and I got there and immediately the day I got there and sat down, he ran over and jumped up in my lap and started purring. And he hasn't stopped since. And I was like, wow, oh, okay. All the other cats, when I walked in, they were like, oh, who's this guy? Run. And he just looked at me and, and he went, 
no meow, but he just looked at me. And then he jumped up my lap, got all cozy in my face, and I started petting him. And she said, well, he's definitely your cat. And, well, that's why I still have him. He was waiting for me to get there. He's been no, nothing but normal since I entered his life. In fact, I taught him to talk. <laughs> yeah, because he connected with me. He was, he was my familiar waiting for me. He was put there waiting for me and looked and got there before I did. Right. And then when I moved in with her before, before we got married, there he was. Right. And so when we separated, here he is. He's in the room with me right now. I just saw him. He just walked by me and went into the to the restroom. He's in the office with me. His food is in here. So he was, I didn't know he was in here sleeping somewhere. And he was just in here wandering by. <laughs> right. <laughs> Kevin, welcome. Welcome. Okay. So all of that is uh, me being aware of a different area that is spiritual and we and we all that's part of what we all need to learn. So we need to have our past. We need to read those things to find the similarities and differences and explore those so that we can then look within ourselves now. I, I'm I'm talking about uh, spirituality Kevin and and um, I was talking about all the um scrolls, the dusty scrolls and tomes and all the religions that we know about on the planet and I was doing a comparison um to the actual backstory of all of those religions and explaining why we need to know that information uh, to, so that we can figure out what they were trying to tell us back then. And, and it's a good point that you came in right now because I was just getting to the underlining story. The underlining story between every creation story and every religion that we are aware of for every single race of people, no matter where they are on the face of this earth. Um, it, uh, yes, actually, I, I, I'm a recovering. I'm a Christian minister. I was also knighted by the Roman Catholic Church, which makes me a, a minister in that uh, that church as well. But I'm not preaching Christianity, and I don't. I started with, uh, as a kid, I'll give you my backstory, even though it was already, if you go rewind, you'll hear it. Uh, my father taught me when I was a kid, when I said, are we Christian? And he said to me, son, I'll try and do it really quickly because I, I, I did a longer version early. Look at all the religions before you choose one and find out what you want to find out. So when I looked at them on the base, it seemed that all of the Christian religions were coming back to the Catholicism as the base root story. So I, I went to the to the Catholic Church, got knighted, became a knight, got baptized, became a knight, uh, got knighted. And then eventually, because of that, I started looking into the background of all other religions all over ch churches, because that was a hobby I was already doing in my life growing up. So then I started reading the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I started reading the, the Gnostic Gospels and the Coptic Gospels and uh, you know all of, the, all of these ancient tomes from around the world and all the other religions as well. And all the creation stories are a version of the same creation story as far back as we can find so far. That's where I am now. And so we need to learn all of those creation stories to compare them, to understand that the bottom line story they're trying to tell you without the corruption of money, because they changed that religion and stopped the spiritual, personal spiritualism of yourself. Jesus spoke about it. Muhammad spoke about it. Everyone, if you go back to, to all the way back and look at, like I said, uh, uh, Xin Tzu, no, Lao Xin. I'm sorry, Lao Xin, 640 BC, had the exact same creation story that he gave them, and his religion at the time was not a dual aspect, male-female, androgynous creation. Yet he gave that. Okay, let's 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 look at let's look at uh, what you're saying here. Let me put it up on the screen, and I'll read this for those people who are on the MP3 file. You guys can't see this on the screen, so I'll read this to you. He says, "Can I talk about God? I'm questioning my faith. I used to be a Catholic, but what you so you're a recovering Catholic like me. 
<clears throat> but I want to become Christian, which is it's actually the same, bro. Um, Catholic, you should Catholicism is Christianity. It's just a semantics in uh, on how you follow Jesus. That's all, uh, Christian. But I feel like God is not wanting me for uh, how much I have sinned. Okay. Now, when it comes to religion, you need to understand, especially um, Jewish-based religion. No offense to the Jews. I'm not trying to to give them anything or or attack them in any way. But, but their religion, however, their religion is based on guilt. Okay, the Catholicism and modern Ju Western Judeo-Christianity is based on the the Judaism. Okay, it's based on the old what we call the Old Testament. The Old Testament is 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 ruling their the class or the people by by fear and 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 um and uh, guilt. Okay, so. They start teaching you on, on, they're trying to control everybody to keep everybody from doing bad things, okay? So they tell you that when you do bad things, there's sins, and those add up, and if you do enough sins, you're going to go to hell. Yet, in the, in the Catholicism and any other Christian uh, religion, you can confess your sins, and then they're wiped clean. So why the fear of doing them? Because you can just confess them. And that's the biggest problem that people have with Catholics is that they're only Christian on Sunday, and then they go out and do whatever they want the rest of the week and then just confess to their priest. Not that that's actually what does happen, but they made a movie called The Sins of the Father, I think it was, uh, and they, it was exactly that. The priest uh, knew the confession, and he had to decide whether he was going to turn in the IRA guy that was murderer, shooter, was played by Mickey Rourke, or if he was going to keep the confidentiality between, between priest and, uh, and, and uh, uh, parishioner. Okay, so the reason I tell you that is because you're, you're concerned that you're not forgiven. What you need to understand, if you are a Christian or a Catholic, you, you're, by your definition of your religion, Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of all human beings, past, present, and future. Therefore, he took on the weight of your sins and that you have already been saved from 2,000 years ago, almost, It'll be 2,000 years ago in, in the year uh, 2031 because Jesus was, was he 31 or 32 when he died? So it's either 2031 or 2032 will be the 2,000th anniversary of the uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died for all the future sins of every single person on this planet. That's what their book says. That's what all Christian books says. That's what the Catholic uh, Bible says. So therefore, you shouldn't feel like you have any sins on you. But if you still feel that way, then you want to go to a priest or a, or a pastor or a padre and confess those sins so that they can be, uh, uh, you know, admonished at that point. Not that that's necessary because you're already saved. Once you're baptized, you're also already saved. The baptism is the rechristening of Christ within you. So when Christ was baptized, he was admonished of all sins, even if he had them or didn't have them. The same thing happened when you were baptized. So not only did Jesus die for your sins, which wiped your slate clean, even now and even in the future, right? People didn't want you to believe that in the churches because then you go, well, then I can do whatever I want. People get that in their mindset. Evil people start doing evil things because they're like, hey, none of it matters. I can just murder anybody. So I'm saved already. And people are like, well, that's not how that works. And so they have to change the narrative and twist that a little bit and say, well, you're still accountable for your actions because all of your sins do actually pile up because they don't want you doing evil. That's all. Okay? They don't want you doing evil. So you should, you should know the difference. You should, be, uh, you should know whether you're evil or whether you're uh, a good soul. 
And if you're a good soul, you're not going to do evil. So, but the guilt is that almost anything you do that is not in accordance with the ancient churches was considered a sin, right? If you believed anything but what they told you about the idea of God, it was the devil and you were sinning. And that's the way they did, that's the way they taught. So there's still residuals today in those religions. And this is why as a pastor, I, I don't, you guys are my, are my flock. I, I don't, I could go and get a church because I have the license to do so. And I could preach in churches, but if I preached this in a church that is an Orthodox Roman Catholic church, never, never would happen or a Christian church more than likely, unless it was more of a Christian fundamentalist or, or a modern day, uh, uh, um, um, what's the word evangelical, they wouldn't want to hear this story because this story tells you that the church itself is not that important because it's not. Jesus was preaching that on the Sermon of the Mount. Mohammed was preaching that in his version of the Sermon on the Mount, which was also out in the desert. Okay. And everybody was doing that. Most of your philosophers, most of your, your prophets were, were telling you the churches are corrupt. They just want your ass in the seat so you pay a tithing. So they keep their money. They're not actually trying to teach you spiritualism. They teach you the same shit over and over and over again. Just enough to have you coming back, but never enough to actually let you get to, to, to graduate. Okay, so then he says, I have lied to my Lord, but my Lord is a perfect man. Oh, you have to understand that your Lord isn't a man, which your Lord was manifested as a man, but the spirit that belonged to that man is the Lord. So you didn't, you didn't, it's not, it's not a man. It's not a perfect man. He's a perfect being like you are because we are human beings because we are, and we are part of the creation. We're not, we're not made of mud and given life. We're part of the creator. Um, so I question my faith and what I have done. My Bible sits on my on my nightstand, and when I when I question when I question it, I do not have any sort of idea to pick it uh, to pick it up. Oh, well, well, that's because um, you're still you haven't forgiven yourself. You have to you, you have to forgive yourself uh, and and realize that you're already forgiven. It, it's just like I was trying to tell people that that there will we have to defeat evil. We have to defeat them, and and I tell them we already defeated them. Jesus defeated evil. So did Mohammed. Over and over again, our Savior has defeated evil and then tried to tell us that you're the Savior, me, you, each one of us is our own Savior, that there isn't, don't rely on me to come back get and get you. Your job is to understand that you are me. Okay? So he said, I hate sin, but I keep doing it. Well, it depends on what your sin is and what you believe the sin is. I have lied to him. My soul is lost, and I need him to put me in into his, into his direction, but I can't because I feel he does not have enough faith in me to change even if he loves me. Here's the thing. You have to find the strength in you to love him. He already loves you. He has already forgiven you. You're just denying yourself that ideology. You're denying, you're saying, you're judging yourself and saying that God doesn't uh, like you, that you've lied to him, so God's judging you. But the Lord is not judging you. The Lord never judges us because we were already judged. We were already judged a long time ago. So you just have to give, you have to Look in with you and say, I did this, I'm a sinner, and I am a sorry for this, and I forgive myself, and then you will be forgiven instantly by the true creator of the universe, because that's what the creator is trying to teach you, is that you have to have responsibility for yourself, and you know that you're sinning, stop doing it. If you consider it a sin, and that's what you're following, then don't do it. 
because every time you do it, you're making it worse on yourself, and then you're beating yourself up again. So you're self-destructive. So your problem is you, just like all of us. <laughs> we all have to realize, I was just putting together a webinar a month ago now, two months ago, and we were calling it, is your reality holding you back? But we ended up having to cancel for a while. But that's what that's what that's the dark night of the soul. You need to look within you. That's what Jesus said. The way to heaven is with, is through me. Thoth, who is the same savior character in the Egyptian pantheon, said the way to God is through the center, meaning the same thing. So the way for your forgiveness is in your own heart, my friend. In your own heart. So you have to love you and forgive you. So you have to have the dark night of the soul. You have to look within yourself and you have to meditate on that and find out who you are and acknowledge your, your sins. It's okay because we're all flawed, right? We go through that. So it's not going to be a bad thing. You just have to look at the things that you do and accept them. Don't be afraid of them and don't think that they're overwhelming. Oh my God, I can't go on because these sins are so bad. Whatever it is, you can be forgiven from doing it. And you can stop doing it now. But the first thing is you have to you have to say, why am I doing these things? So you have to look within yourself and say, why do I keep doing these things that I know are sins? Is it because I think they're not really sins and they're kind of silly? That's a possibility because, you know, you, you know, in, in the, the old Roman Catholic uh, 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 ideology, if you played with your penis and ejaculated, that was a sin and you could go to hell for it. That's just not true. It's just not true. There's nowhere where God said that, right? And so and if you look at things that were literal, you would never cut your hair because in the in the Old Testament, it says, do not cut the hair at the size of your head. But people, everyone cuts their hair, right? You would not shave ever and you would not cut your hair. So the hair that you have should be somewhere around your ankles if you make it to 50. Your beard and everything, you should look like cousin it. Do you see? It also says don't eat pork. Well, the reason it said that was because it was written over 2,000 years ago and they didn't have refrigeration. Had nothing to do with anything else, but they had to tell people that's detestable in the eyes of God. And if you eat it, you'll die from it. He'll kill you. Well, yeah, because pork goes bad after like a few hours. But if you tell people that then, they're going to test it. So if you say God said so, they believe it. A lot of what's in there, that's why I said earlier, I used the, the uh, analogy from a Star Wars movie from uh, Return of the Jedi when Obi-Wan said to Luke Skywalker, so Luke, you have to understand that the, the truths we believe are directly related to a certain point of view. Because you're applying your truths to their truths, and that was 2,000 years ago. So their truths then were completely well, for them, 2,000 years ago, and that society, and that is completely different than the society that you're living in today. Completely. In the Hebrew society, in the time that Jesus was alive, you could be burned at the stake if you weren't married by the age of 30. You could not be a teacher in any way unless you were married and had children. And it was considered something wrong with you and suspect if you didn't marry and you were a man or a woman. Okay, so then if you were gay, it wasn't tolerated. They would stone you to death or burn you because you were gay. Now it doesn't matter. And we realize now that it doesn't matter. But back then it was a stonable offense. Socrates had to kill himself with drinking poison in front of the king's court because he said the earth was round. Do you understand? So everything is subjective to the place in which you're translating that any of those dusty old tomes. And you have to understand that when you're reading them. 
they're mostly parables and a lot of them is, are teaching uh, because they didn't have schools, you know, so you had things like never a lender or a borrower be, right? You had those, those sort of things because they don't borrow money from people and don't give money out to people. You borrow money from people, they're going to come break your ankles to get it back or your knee to get it back. Don't lend money to people because you'll have to go and break their ankle or their knee to get it back because they're going to steal from you. Do you understand? So those things were integrated into the into the older tomes because they didn't have orthodox churches and orthodox uh, 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 organized uh, teaching learning centers. And then you did have in some areas, so depending on how rich they were and how well developed their society was, and it varied. So they have this they have this book that they can take anywhere, and it can apply to a, a large range of people from aristocrats to peasants, and still get the same message across. That's why it was designed that way. Right. So you can't take it as as a, a literal translation of how you should live your life today, because you'll be living the same way they lived their lives 2000 years ago. And some people like that. The Hasidic Jews do that. There are many people that, that like living the life of, of that way from back then, and they still do it. That's OK. That's their choice. We all have a choice. Right. What about atheists? Good one, Denise. Let's put this up on the screen. What about atheists who don't believe in any God? What is your take on that? Being raised as a Catholic, I personally believe that God has saved us all, even though, <clears throat> even those that don't believe in God. Okay. Um, I agree with you <clears throat> because of, of the books of the modern, when I say that, I, I talk about um, uh, uh, Jesus and I talk about Muhammad uh, and, uh, and the, those deities who were around in that time period. And not just there, but it does end the law of one. Okay. <clears throat> now, if you look at all of the creation stories and the law of one to mirrors the exact same creation story <clears throat> that is told in Mesopotamia, that is told in, in the Greek Roman, that is told in by everybody else, so the, 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 the Hebrews, uh, the Vikings, the, the Chinese, the Japanese, uh, the everybody all has the same creation story, as we said before, as I showed you. But they just jumbled the, the deities around to fit their societal structure of, uh, of the relationship between masculine and feminine. And then you insert the different names for the different cultures. So you have a different, you have, like I said, Jesus, you have Thor, you have Thoth, you have Marduk. That's all the savior character. That's all the hero character. They're all the same exact character, and they all do the same exact thing over and over and over. Um, even Ra, the sun god, was the sun. The sun god. Jesus is the sun god. Thoth was their sun god. <laughs> Do you see? Thor was their sun god. So it's the same character. It's just uh, changed slightly to fit. Now, you don't have the, the sun worship of people following Thor as much because he's the son of God, right? But he is, but he doesn't have the fire. He has the lightning. Why? Because they live in the north, and the north has more clouds and doesn't see as much sunlight as you would in the desert. So the desert, the sun is more prevalent as the life bringer and the life giver than uh, than in the uh, 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 north where the Vikings uh, had their pantheon. Okay, so when it comes to uh, atheists, it doesn't matter. I sound like the Rock. It doesn't matter what your God's name is, right? <laughs> I don't care about your Mickey Mouse tomes. It doesn't matter what your God's name is. Okay, so according to the law of one, which echoes all of those other religions that you don't hear them say because they were also trying to control the masses, right? And I don't like to talk about this too much on air because 
when it comes to the whole good evil thing, uh, we we tend to omit information because we don't. Well, we were trying. We are trying to discourage people from being evil. Evil people who are truly evil are going to do it because they're evil, and we know that. But people who are experimenting will will sometimes do things that they wouldn't do if they think they can get away with it. Do you understand? So an atheist, you don't have to follow any God figure or any religion whatsoever to understand the backstory of creationism or to understand how the laws of the universe work or to understand how to graduate. And what happens to most atheists is that rarely does an atheist die before realizing that their atheism was wrong. Rarely. Rarely do you hear out loud, or you don't hear out loud, somebody just before they die who is an atheist confess and admit that they realize now that they were wrong. My father-in-law, who had Alzheimer's, he was an atheist, his, I guess his whole life, ever since I know him, and I met him when I was 11. I had conversations and arguments with that man forever. So did his daughter. Both of us are ministers. <laughs> Both of us are Christian ministers, but we have a, a pagan background. I was taught paganism and druidism before I was taught Christianity. I have a, I have a pagan title, a, a minister title in paganism. Actually, in druidism. It's a Merlin title. I would be considered a Merlin. A Merlin is no different than a priest. A Merlin is no different from a father or a padre or a, or a minister or, a, or whatever. It's the same exact position, although with more mystical uh, uh, elements, more mystical elements and magical elements and, and uh, uh, um, um, what's the word, alchemy, uh, uh, alchemic uh, backgrounds, more, more of all that mysticism and esotericness of the world, whereas the modern religions have cut that part out completely and they say that's the devil and you're only supposed to hear what I have to say to you. And all of that you can't do because it's all evil. That's all a lie. That was the part that was controlling people. So, so in truth, you don't. it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you're a good person, you don't have to believe in any deities. If you're actually just a good person, you do the good things and you're, you're living the life of what the other religions would consider a holy person. So it doesn't matter. So on his deathbed, getting back to my father-in-law, he actually had a lucid moment moments before he passed. And he said to his daughter, I wanted you to know before I passed that you're right. She said, what? He said about everything, God, all of that. He was transitioning. And so he actually understood the spiritual side of what was happening to him. And couldn't deny it. So before he let go, he said, I need you to know this. I know now that you were right. So that happens a lot. I don't know of anyone that I've ever heard that they said, yeah, he was an atheist and he died and took that to his grave. <laughs> right? So you don't have to believe in God. That's not necessary. It doesn't matter. It just depends on your life. You're either evil. And if you're evil, then you're doing evil shit. Right? Because there's only two kinds of people. You're either in service to others, which means that you're good and you're wholesome and you're holy and you're a nice person and you like people and you help people. Or you're in service to self, which means you're selfish, controlling, egoic, egotistical, power hungry. Uh, you know, you like to take advantage of people. They're your victims. And that's how you see them. Uh, and that's all that you want to do. The, the, so that's good and evil. Do you understand? 
So, so getting back to Kevin, so Kevin, you need to look within yourself, buddy, and you need to forgive yourself and love yourself and then figure out what, what was it that I'm doing that I'm hating myself over these sins that I'm doing. What are they? All right. Can I control that? Is it a compulsion? Is it something I need to seek counseling for? Because it could be something like that where you're, it's more of an obsession with you. Uh, but if it's not, then just stop doing them, bro. So you don't kick yourself in the butt and then just start living a better life. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, Sherry said it's all in the intention to say it sucks or or I'm doomed. Uh, it becomes your intent. So, and, and let's go down there. Thank you, Sherry. Sherry, she's referring to what I'm saying and what you were, Kevin, Sherry's referring to what you were saying in, in what I was saying that you're your own problem because you're the one who's holding yourself responsible. And what's happening is you're, that's the intention you're putting out to the universe. You're putting out the intention that I'm a sinner. I'm not forgiven. And that's what you said. I'm a sinner. I'm not forgiven. And God doesn't love me. Even if I hear it is, doesn't have enough faith in me to change me, even if, if he loves me. And that's not true. His faith in you is that you will discover the faith within yourself to save yourself. That's the message that Jesus was delivering to us. That's the I'm carrying you in the sand when you see the single footprints in the sand. My God, why did you abandon me in the lowest time of my life? No, my son, that was when I was carrying you. And right now, Jesus is carrying you, waiting for you to forgive yourself and realize that you are someone who should be loved. Right? And then he said, Exactly. So right now, Jesus is carrying you. And telling me to tell you that this, that's why you found the show. And that's why you asked a question. And that's why we focused on you to, to tell you this. So I hope you're still in the crowd. I don't know if you've left. God, I hope you're still in the crowd to hear this. So you need to realize that you now is when you're being carried by the one. So now is when you need to look at yourself and say, why does he have to carry me? Because I don't have enough faith in me. So therefore, I think Jesus doesn't have faith in me either. But that's not true. Jesus loved you before you were born, and he'll love you far after you die. Because Jesus doesn't judge us. We judge ourselves. There is no judgment when you're going to go before the pearly gates and be judged. You are going to judge yourself worthy or unworthy. Jesus is going to see if you're honest in your judgment. That's the faith that Jesus has in you, the trust that Jesus has in you. So look within yourself, find out what these sins are that you do and admit them. You have already said that you're sinning, so you know it. The first step in avoiding a trap is knowing of its existence. So you know what you're doing that's wrong. Figure out what you need to do to change that so that you're not doing that anymore and realize that you're the one who's keeping the forgiveness away from you, not God. And once you do that, once you do that and realize that you are love, and that Jesus does love you no matter what you do because he's counting on you to realize you did something wrong, forgive yourself for doing it, and not do it anymore, and maybe even do something to help other people not go through what you went through to pay it forward. Do you see? Okay. So hopefully hopefully you were still in the crowd and you heard me say all that. And if not, hopefully you come back to see if there's answers and you listen to the whole show and then you get that because I think that'll be helpful for you. And I'd love to hear back from you uh, to see if, if you, you know, you're uh, down the road, how you're doing. Okay. And if you need to talk, 
not in front of all these people, you can go to either there on YouTube and message me or go to Facebook and message me on Messenger. And then we can talk off camera uh, if, if you need to. And I can help you. That's what I do. Okay. Okay. So what do we have questions wise? Right. Anybody have any other questions, Kevin, if you're still there, hopefully um, let me know you're still there and maybe ask another question. Right. Otherwise we'll just kind of move on. But I hope you're doing well. And continue on your journey because just just like I said, the, the first step in avoiding the trap is knowing of its existence. The fact that you know what's happening to you and you're reaching out for help is a very, very good thing because you're already on the path to healing and the path to righteousness. So you're doing good. You just have to let yourself get there. That's all. We're all in our own way. We don't let ourselves get there because we continue the routines that are keeping us away from it, keeping us distracted and, and thinking we're not worthy because we've been told that by the devil over and over and over that we're, we're sinners and we're not worthy and, and we need to stop doing what we're doing altogether because it's not going to ever get us anywhere. That's your ego. That's the devil on your little left shoulder, not your conscience or your consciousness, your conscience on the right shoulder. Your conscience is saying, no, don't do that. Don't listen to him. That's the little angel on your right shoulder. Okay, so all the stuff where you tell yourself that you're not worthy and that you're a sinner, that's your ego keeping you from and distracting you from your true spiritual path. Because as you become enlightened and you become more healthy spiritually, you lean less on the ego and the ego knows that. So the ego knows that its days are numbered in your psyche and that eventually you're going to not need it anymore and it will diminish and go away. But until then... And up to that point, the ego is going to try and keep you in check as long as possible and distracted in any way. And to demoralize you and take away your, your freedom in that respect spiritually, don't even do it, man. It's not even worth it. You're just going to be judged. You're going to go to hell anyway because you're a sinner. That's what the ego wants you to believe. That's the devil telling you that. There's your devil telling you that. So, so that's, that's in all of us. That's there in all of us to make us choose between right and wrong, good and evil, and then to choose that path, whichever it is, and go down that path. Do you understand? And that's where we don't like to tell people that because then they go, oh, I can be evil? Well, yeah, you can, but you'll pay for it, right? In life, you'll be captured and then murdered just like you did to them. They'll catch you and we kill you back in, in most places on the planet for doing that. Or we lock you up somewhere where you can't have any freedom until you die of old age, right? And then you keep doing that until you get to the sixth uh, dimension six density, and then you have to switch to come back, or, you, or that's hell. That's purgatory. That's where you're stuck for the rest of eternity uh, unless you change and become good. So we tell people you're going to get there eventually. So you either choose it in this life, and you just do good stuff because you're a good soul, or go down that road, and eventually I'll see you, but it'll be a real long time after your prison sentence uh, or, or wherever you're at, right? We all make mistakes. Denise said this. We all make mistakes and sins from time to time. We must learn to forgive ourselves. Absolutely. Because if you listen to all the ways you can sin in these religions, you are a sinner 24 hours a day. I'm sinning right now because I'm not preaching Christianity only according to Christianity. Right? The Ten Commandments, right? And don't love any other God over me. Right? That's a selfish, egoic God right there. Because that's a God in that respect admitting there's other gods equal to him self. That's how you should understand that the, the, the person who gave the commandments to Moses was not God. Because the God, the Savior, the one true creator has no equal. So why would he have to say, you'll worship no gods above me? Because there are no gods at his level, nor are there any above him. 
Do you understand? So the translation was lost there in that when it came down to English. It may have been, you will worship no other God but me. However, that still suggests that there are equals to. You wouldn't have to say that if there is no one there. There's no reason for you to have to prove that you're in charge, because you are. You have no competition. So why would you admit to the people there's competition? Because the people were given free will to judge themselves. That's the secret to the universe. That's the secret to your Savior. That's the secret to you being saved, is that you were born free, you are free, and you're the one who's going to judge you, not anyone else. You're the one who's in your own way. So you need to get out of your way by looking at yourself and admitting that you are flawed, and it's okay because we all are, 100%. And then start working towards becoming a better person than you are currently, and serve all of the stuff that you have now that you have that you think that you're a sinner and why and all the things that you did, learn from those mistakes and say, this is a great learning tool. Now I know what not to do. I can do these things and have a better life. Right? I like that, Sherry. We said that. I'll put that up on the screen. I'll read that to you guys. Every night I go outside and talk to, to the all living life and how much I love them and, and uh, it helps me. And I do the same, but I don't usually, I don't always go outside to do that, but I do that when I have time. I give, I give thanks and I give love to the planet, uh, all, everything, all life, everything that is, it is, ever was, ever will be. Uh, and it, I think it's important, Sherry, so thank you for bringing that up. I think it's important that we all do that. Uh, especially if you consider the possibility that we're not supposed to be here uh, on this planet currently because their third dimensional life is not supposed to be sustained here anymore. And we're keeping us here and we're doing damage to the planet and the planet is alive. And she's going to flick us off like fleas eventually. If we don't let her know that we're aware of it, that we're not blindly stuck here, that we're aware of it and that we're giving love and support and healing energy to help support her while we figure our shit out <laughs> while we figure our shit out and get the hell off of her back without too much damage so i always suggest to people when you're praying if you pray uh give some prayers to uh, mother earth and sister moon right and give some prayers to our surroundings and our solar system and all life because it's our energy that drives that because we are one with the creator Right. Growing up, the nuns. Oh, yeah. Right. Here we are. We're recovering Catholic again. Right. Growing up, the nuns would tell us kids, you're going to hell. Thankfully, I never believed them. Right. Because they were ruling by the guilt. That was the, that's the Jewish tradition. Uh, and some religions are, are like that, that that's to control the population with fear and guilt uh, that that keeps you on their path and afraid to do anything else. Don't look over there. If you see that, it's the devil and you're going to die. Right. So they take away your personal spirituality and they tell you that the only way you can get to heaven is to come and sit in that seat every Sunday or every Saturday, depending on the religion, and give us tithings and we'll tell you what we want you to, to know. And if you if you get their curriculum Bible, which I have a copy of and it's not in here again, I left it out in the in the living room. I should I used to bring it in here so I could hold it up and show it to you guys. That has the curriculums in there. And you'll find that they only tell you the same things depending on the on whether they're using a two year, a three year, or a five year turn to their curriculum. Schools do the same thing. The, the, each class for each grade, every year is the exact same curriculum over and over and over and over. That's all they're teaching. It's the same thing with Christianity, Catholicism. It's the same thing. The Christian Bibles were written by the Catholics. I didn't believe that until a nun showed me that. And then I looked it up and found out she was right. Catholics wrote all the Bibles for the Christianity. So the Christians hate the Catholics, but they were going by their book, 
that they wrote. <laughs> okay. So that book has a two-year or a five-year or, or a two or three or a five-year turn uh, on, on what they do and what they teach and, and what happens every month, every week of every month on every Sunday is already laid out for them. And they just flip to that page. Are we an odd number year or even number year? Are we on number two or number four? Or are we on number three or number five? And that's all they do. And they, they go by that curriculum. The next year, they go to the third one. The next year, they go to the fourth one. The next year, they go to the fifth one. Most people don't notice that because it's a five-year turn. The ones who notice it is quicker is the two-year turn. You do two years, and then you start over again. Some of those people go, wait a minute. We did this exact same mass two years ago. But on a five-year term, turn, most people don't catch it. So you don't realize that you're hearing the same stuff over and over and over again your entire life unless you catch the pattern every five years. That means you have to sit in the seats and read the Bible every year, every Sunday, and remember it, have a good memory to go, wait, now we're back to this psalm again. And and then after this psalm, we'll go to that psalm because that's what we did five years ago. And now we'll go to this psalm. And wow, this is identical. It's because it's not changed. It's cyclical. That's how they look like they know what they're talking about. It's already established for them. All they have to do is, is read the stuff that they're told to read that gives them the, the things. And then these are the stories you read from this book, from that book, from this book, from that passage. And this is what you say about them. It's scripted. The entire thing's scripted. They just read the script for the day. What am I, what am I doing? And then a good priest memorizes that. And that's how they can sit around and, and, and uh, throw uh, different, different proverbs at you or different sayings at you. Because that's what they're taught in the seminaries. See, they're taught how to do that and how to put that for you and how to see those things like I do. And even better, I haven't gone to a Catholic seminary, but that's how that's how we're taught. We're taught to see the parables. We're, we're taught to see the morals. We're taught to understand the underlining message. And then we know the, the ghost messages that we don't tell you, that we get to know. And those are the things that we try to we're trying to, to to keep you on a track to go and do goodness and not do bad things, right? So, and then that's the truth of that. So there is some good in the control of the church, but then again, it's all all churches are about power, money, and 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 conquering the planet with their religion now, right? I mean, they've always been that way because evil people get in in into power and they corrupt anything that good people come up with. Do you understand? And they take power, they seize power, and they try to control everybody and make everybody their slave because they're evil. That's in their nature. Do you understand? Just like war. Why do we go to war? Because it's in our nature. Do you understand that? Okay. Okay, so I'm an hour and a half, right? I was only going to do an hour today, so I think we'll call it there since we don't have any other comments. And I really hope Kevin stayed around to hear that. He never said anything, so he may have left. May not have heard, liked what I had to say and may have left. If that's the case, then I wasn't supposed to resonate with him and he found somebody else, or he will. Well, let's hope. That's the intention that I'm putting out there for you, Kev. If you are, Kevin, if you're in the in the audience, thank you for staying and listening to the rest of that. If you're not, um, I hope that you find what you're looking for somewhere else. Okay, guys. You guys have a nice night. I will be back on Friday. Right? We'll be doing Friday. I'll be doing the alien interview on Friday. I was supposed to be doing a speaking engagement on the 24th, which was Sunday. Uh, I was in the hospital. I had to have surgery. Um, as it turned out, they had postponed it. They sent me a memo, but I was in the hospital, so I didn't know it. <laughs> so it's rescheduled for the 6th of November, which is a week from Saturday. 
Okay. So um, I'm still going to be promoting that and I have to get the meme and the, the ad. Uh, he was going to send it and he didn't. So I'll get that and I'll get it to you. And then I have uh, coming up in November. I'm not sure of the date, but I think it's the, the full moon at the midpoint. So somewhere around the 20th to the 24th of, of, no of November um, will be uh, another speaking engagement paid, also paid speaking engagement with Stephen and Evan Strong out of Australia. They're putting on and I will be speaking there. Um, so there's tickets available for both of those events. If you guys want to hear me talk um, a lot about, you guys are hearing tidbits about it right in here, right? On my, my November 6th is a lot going to be a lot about like what we were going over here in the beginning of this. Uh, and maybe the other one as well, but I'm not sure yet. Right. Cause I'm still uh, putting stuff together and still com doing comparative. So I'm still putting, so my point is in a month from now, I might have other information that I add to uh, the similarities or the differences or the, creation stories of the backstories, you know, because you have the deluge that was involved in all of the most, almost everything uh, that we know around the world. Uh, so that, so we also know that was an event and that played into all of their religions as well. So there's so many more things that play into all the pantheons uh, to compare them that are similar and not as different as you think they might be. Okay. So you guys, namaste. I love you guys. Um, yeah, I, I know. Right. I, it was, it was, it was my fault. I'll be honest with you. And this is an example of things not to do. Right. Um, I, you know, I've had, I grew up as a survivalist. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a survivalist, wrote a book about it. Uh, you know, military family background, IRA, Irish Republican army, the whole thing. So, um, I do stupid things on my own. Like one time I, I conducted oral surgery on myself and extracted a tooth. Right. And, um, I did it with my bare hands. And after it healed about a year later, I went to the dentist because I had another problem with a tooth. And he's and he said, well, we're probably going to have to take it out. And I said, let's just do it. Pull it. And he says, you've already gone through that. Whoever did this did really good work. And I said, oh, I did that. Right. He said, wait, a minute, you did that? And he's like, what did you use? Pliers? I said, no, my hands. I just ripped it out of my face. Took, grabbed a hold of it, grabbed my hand with my hand and ripped it out of my face. Uh, and, and that was it. Right? <laughs> he's like, no stitches, nothing. I'm like, nope. He's like, don't ever do that again. So I had an ingrown hair. And when you get that, what happens is it starts getting that back cheese or it fits on your back and mine was on my back. And so it started to get, you know, build up uh, because your hair, your hair gets in dirt and soap and stuff get into the hole now and it gets inside there. And so it, it becomes when they squeeze it out, it becomes like a cheese. So they call it the back cheese. There's a name for it, but I don't know what it is. So I had one on my lower back and it was there for years and years, right? I had one in the middle of my back that was there for like 25 years and I finally had it removed. So I had, I knew what it was and I had another one. And, uh, and it's been about six years now and I decided to squeeze it like an idiot. And when, if you squeeze it, you can make it infected. So I squeezed it, it got infected and I squeezed it more to try and get the pus out of it. And that just like turned my body into a panic mode and, uh, it went like rampant. So then, then I have the swelling. So after like two days or three days, I have a, a golf ball size pocket of pus in my back and now it starts to spread across my body. So I had a golf ball size right next to my spine. And then I have this about as long as a foot long hot dog, two of them stacked on top of each other with the same size roundness of the hot dog going across my body to, to my side. And of course everything's turning red because it's, it's poison. So uh, then I decided to uh, take a needle and I uh, looked in the mirror, took my shirt off and looked in the mirror and had a mirror and held up a mirror to look at myself in the mirror and took a needle and committed uh, um, surgery on myself in four different places to drain the, the pus out of my back. And it worked. Not 100%. <laughs>
And then by me prodding on that, my body freaked out because I was stabbing myself with a needle uh, in puncturing it into my skin when I could have hit an artery. I could have hit all kinds of bad things, even maybe nicked uh, my kidneys or something, but I did it anyways. Uh, and so then my body went into almost like an anaphylactic shock. It just got worse. And then it started ballooning up even more. And I was making homemade uh, antibiotics and taking that. I was the whole nines, right? This is for real. And, and but I didn't get, I knew I didn't get all the, the, the uh, pus out and I couldn't because at the angle that it was, if I were on top of myself or another person, I would be able to look and see what I missed and get all the stuff out. So I couldn't. So now it's getting worse again because I did that. So I had to go to the hospital and uh, they did an ultrasound on me and the doctor looked at it and he said, yeah, there's some pus in there. We'll go to each place you went to because uh, it looks like that's where the pus was. And it looks like three out of the four spots, I got all the pus out except for the first one, which was the biggest culprit. And he had to do surgery on me to, you know, he did all four of them to find out if there was any pus left. He got it all cleared up and said, you did a pretty good job. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> you could have killed yourself. <laughs> right? That's bad. Okay. So, uh, so that was Sunday and today's Wednesday. So now I have, I have gauze, uh, draining, uh, nasty oozing blood and, and healing and all the three of the holes have closed up. So I only have gauze on one, uh, and the surgery went fine. I'm on antibiotics and, uh, everything's slowly, uh, uh, the swelling is slowly going down back to normal. So it was a success. It was my own fault Had I would have not messed with it and went to a doctor and said, I need to have that removed uh and the doctor could have gone in and pulled the membrane you know squeezed all the uh, cheese out of it and pulled the membrane out of it which is the procedure that you do and then they stitch you up and and you heal and there's no problem so but now we have to do it from the inside out because um i mucked it all up <laughs> so don't ever do that guys see so not all of us are perfect and even i do stupid things right we all do we're work in progress all right julie i love you too all you guys i love you guys i'll see you guys on friday have a good night